Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. It begins with verse 4. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I could see you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. It says on verse 39 that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's good to be here with you all this morning, even to share this message via video. This season of Lent, we've been looking at different individuals from the Bible who through their story, we are able to see the amazing grace of God. Over the past weeks, we've looked at characters like King David, and we've seen his story of where he was confronted by the sin that he had committed by the prophet Nathan, about how David recognized his wrong, how he repented of his sin, 
and about how God gave him his forgiving grace, even with his sin before him. We've looked at the prophet Isaiah, who reminded the people of Israel that the last word with God is a word of hope and is a word of grace. Isaiah came to Israel in a time of great turmoil. The northern kingdom had fallen to the Assyrian Empire. They had been uh, destroyed. People had been taken away in chains. It was hopeless. To make matters worse, the southern kingdom of Israel has now heard and is now learning that King Uzziah has died, who has kept them out of conflict. And so to both of these people, Isaiah brings a message of hope in reminding them that in God there is always something we can look to, we can always something we can hope for, and there is always something that we can believe in. Because even as the people were hopeless, Isaiah brought them a message that told them that the last word with God is always hope, and it's always grace. We've also looked at the story of the prodigal, a parable that Jesus told from the Gospel of Luke. In that parable, we uh, see the story of a father who has two sons. And this father chooses to offer grace to both of his sons. The first son is the younger, who finds himself in a faraway land, starving, feeding pigs, and dreaming that he is only to return home. And so he decides to return home, hoping that his father, at minimum, will welcome him back into his home, just as the position of a hired hand. The young man knows that he needs grace. He knows that grace is only his father's to give, yet he does not understand the magnitude of his father's grace when he gets home and is welcomed with open arms. The other son is the son that's never left, who's unable to bring himself into the party when he learns that his younger brother has returned. And so his father comes out to him to offer him grace, even when he did not realize or acknowledge that he even needed it. Like both sons, we have the ability to accept God's grace that's offered to us. Like both sons, it is ours to accept, it is ours to receive, and it is God's gift given to you. And it's your responsibility to decide what you will do with it once you've received it. Finally, last week, we looked at the story of the blind man from John chapter 9. In this story, story the blind man uh, received healing from Jesus without even asking for it. He received the grace of Jesus before he, he had the opportunity to even know that it was available. But he had to choose what he was going to do with it. And so in this story, before the mud has even dried on the man's eyes, he was given the choice by Jesus to either stay there or go to the pool of Siloam and wash his face in order to be healed. So his action his belief, and then his choosing to respond to Jesus resulted in him being able to see. And we receive that same gift of grace from Jesus, just like the blind man, as you and I are given the opportunity to choose how we receive the gift of grace that he has given to each of us. In today's scripture, we read from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. This is a story of a Samaritan woman and of Jesus. 
In this encounter, Jesus meets a woman who has been living a life of fear. She's been living a life of doubt. She's been living a life of shame. And she encounters the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ. John begins this gospel by telling us that the Samaritan woman comes to draw water from the well later in the day, in the sixth hour exactly, meaning that she has timed her visit to the well to fall well after the period in the morning when the majority of the women in the community have made the short journey or long to the well to draw water for the day. John's intentional in telling us this, that her coming to the well at a time that she hopes and knows that no one else will be there is important. John doesn't tell us any more about why she is going to the well at that time, although we are about to find out as the Samaritan woman encounters a man sitting on the side of the well as she draws near there. That man was a Jewish man, a man who was sitting there alone, and Samaritan women and Jewish men, well, really, Samaritans and Jews were not to associate with each other at any time. There were centuries of animosity between their people. And so the people of Judah and Jerusalem and the Galilee and the people who lived in Sychar and Samaria and in that region, they did not associate with one another. And in fact, it was known that they would cross the road to the opposite side of the road when they saw a member of the other group approaching because they couldn't come in contact with each other. For centuries, they had experienced this animosity, this prejudice, and these outright hostilities between their groups. And so the woman doesn't know who Jesus is when she sees him. I think John personally would have uh, let us know if, if he had known that the woman knew who Jesus was when she saw him from a distance. I think John would have given us that bit of information if he knew that the woman knew who Jesus was. And so as I read it, the woman, as she approaches Jesus, is he's a complete stranger to her. And as he, she approaches him, he says, give me a drink. Give me a drink to a woman who had every intent to slip to the well, to fill her jug, and to quickly go home without being seen by anyone. Is now being told by Jesus that the first water that she draws from the well that day will be for him. Her plan of quickly coming to the well, of getting her water, and then returning home is now awry, and Jesus commands her to give him water. These aren't words of grace. These aren't words of hope. These aren't words of comfort. They aren't words really of anything else. And her response isn't much better. When she points out to Jesus that he's Jewish and she's Samaritan, when she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? I mean, she's saying, how can you expect anything of me? I mean, to her, this really is not a positive interaction with this man. This is not something where I think she envisions herself receiving anything, let alone the grace of God. She doesn't see life coming him, from him. She doesn't see anything, and she certainly doesn't know what Jesus already knows about her. Because Jesus does know, as we see. He knows her station. He knows her situation. He knows her story. He knows her life is filled with loneliness because of the situation that she is in and because of the choices that she has made. Why else would she come to the well in the middle of the day? But it's in this moment that the story shifts and Jesus begins to offer this Samaritan woman grace. 
that he speaks to her in her loneliness. And he offers her grace instead, saying, If you knew the grace of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. What does Jesus mean? I think the Samaritan woman, she tells us she would have loved to have been able to refill her jug without traveling to the well each day. She would have loved to remain in her loneliness apart from others in the community who knew her situation and who talked. And honestly, we've all been there because it's easy for us to seek to be the same way, to seek a different path or a different place when we are not at our best. It's easy for us to choose to stay away from the community, whether it's Christian or others, when we know that we're doing wrong. It's easy for us to stay away from our families when we know that our actions can hurt or even cause embarrassment. See, there's a lot of reasons that we can choose loneliness, just like this Samaritan woman. But for each of us, Jesus knows why. We choose to be lonely without having to say a word to him. But yet he still meets us where we are. And so the woman tells Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus says, Go, call your husband and come back. He knows of her situation before he asks this of her. He knows that the man that she is with is not her husband. He knows that any of, none of the men that she's been with were her husband. And so when she says she has no husband, Jesus sees her as she is. And he sees her with grace. Because he has taken her darkest secret and he has shown light upon it. He has taken the very reason and exposed it uh, to see the, the whole reason or motivation for why she's at the well at noontime. And he's taken her situation and shown into it a light that only contains the redeeming grace of God instead of shame and instead of guilt. See, Jesus shines the light into the darkest recesses of her life so that in grace he can draw her into a life that is far greater. His grace his grace that is superior to her guilt, his grace that is far superior to the judgment of others, his grace that is deeper and wider than even the things that others in her community have said and believed about her, Jesus has offered her grace that will pull her out of her fear, that will take her from her shame, and that will lead her to a place that is filled with life away from what she was doing and away from where she is at. See, Jesus didn't just encounter the Samaritan woman so that he could point out her sin and bless it and then allow her to keep doing what she was doing. He did not remove the feeling of guilt as she had thought of when she thought of her situation. He met her where she was at in her life. He met her in her situation. And he offered her accountability and he offered her grace. And it's that gift of grace that allowed her to encounter the person of God who stood before her. Her receiving God's grace allowed her to, to leave her sin behind in order to follow a new way, the way of Jesus. See, grace was given to this woman who in no way expected it from Jesus. Certainly not from a Jewish man, but she received it. 
And she accepted it and her reaction is what jumps out at me today. Because through grace, she shed the shame and the isolation that she had been living in. Through grace, she became full with the living water of Jesus. And so Luke or John writes that she fled the scene, not to hide from Jesus, but to run to others. She left her water jug at the well to go and tell others what she had discovered. With boldness and with joy, she was able to share who she had encountered. The, the things that, that once had shamed her were now forgiven, and all that lies ahead of her is now a new life and a new freedom in Christ. And so she goes to those she knows, and she says, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And others came to see. See, I think it's easy for us to read this story and to celebrate the freedom and grace that this woman has received. But equally important to her accepting God's grace is her reaction she didn't accept the grace of God and then stay where she was. But she had to go. And she had to tell others about what Jesus had done. So that they could come and they could see him for themselves. Her reaction was to invite others to experience the same grace that she had experienced because she wanted them to share in the joy that she had shared, to know about Jesus as, as she witnessed and shared the good news with others. John writes that she said that many Samaritans in that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's word when she testified. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word, and they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is truly the Savior of the world. See, that's the amazing thing about grace and about the good news of Jesus. That the woman's reaction and then her action was to share what Jesus had done for her in giving her the grace of God. Others were able to believe, not in what she said, but they believed because they heard her say, come and see. And then they were able to hear for themselves and they were able to discover that Jesus truly was the Savior of the world. See, this is our call. This is our challenge as Christians to share the good news of Jesus now that we have received his grace, to go beyond just allowing Jesus to change our behaviors or our actions or our thoughts, but to share the good news, to invite others to join in this journey of faith simply by telling our story and our experience. Nothing more. It's only our job to invite others to encounter Jesus, how they react and how they respond is not our responsibility before God. Our responsibility is how we say, come and see. And then it's God's responsibility to do the rest.